hear and, and apply and, and be like folks that, that uh, look in a mirror and, and walk away and, and are changed through the experience, like help them to know you more and help them to be different, different and more, more like you through, through this time of teaching. In Christ's name, amen. So um, I, this is uh, part two of, uh, of, of our series on uh, uh, entitled, You're Going to Carry That Weight a Long Time. Anybody know what that's a reference to? I'm going to ask up front and see if anybody else caught it. it yeah, my wife knows. The Beatles song. I'm, I'm a huge Beatles fan. I, I love the Beatles. And I, I, uh, on, on, I think it's on Abbey Road, actually, um, th- is this song, You're Going to Carry That Weight. And what, what happened was, um, as they were recording the album, the, the studio guys and the band and the, and the management, they're all fighting all fighting constantly. In fact, this is the last Beatles album because they, they just couldn't get along anymore. They, they, for whatever reason, making a gajillion dollars a year and being worshipped by the whole world was not enough. They had to, like, have dominance over each other. And so they spent their, their, their time just at each other's throats, and finally they said, that's it. You know, but, but um, this song was written, um, you know, and, and, and recorded to kind of express like the the miserable weight that you carry with 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 you know when we when we fight. How many of y'all have had like an extreme like solid argument with somebody that that just weighted you down for months and even years? And is it just me that does that? Seriously, like, <laughs> have any of y'all like? How about this? Are any of y'all mad at anybody you haven't seen in in more than ten years? Any of y'all mad at somebody who's dead? <laughs> No, I mean, I've met folks that do that, you know, and it becomes this weight that crushes us. And, and this series, I, I, uh, what we're working on, what we're looking at is um, kind of the difficulties in life and how it becomes a weight that we carry, right? Last week, um, we, looked at it, um, we looked at it from a different perspective. We looked at it, um, th- this week we're, sorry, I'm, I'm, my brain skipped a, a groove there. Um, what we're going to be looking at this week, we're going to be looking at, at the idea of difficulty as it relates to um, Paul's writing on, on, um, in, in 2 Corinthians. And, and, and what he does there is he, he talks about the pain in his side or the thorn in my side. And it's this difficulty that he has that just kind of crushes him. And, and we're going to look at how that plays out and how he interacts with God and like how it affects how he thinks about things. Um, and, and so, like, as we're kind of shifting into that, I'm going to talk about one of my biggest weaknesses real quick. Um, I, I have the worst memory. Like, I, I can remember things that I've read. Ask my wife. I can remember conversations we've had, like, verbatim years, years later. Um, if I watch a movie more than twice, I can do the dialogue with it while we watch it, and it drives her nuts, which is why I do it. Um, but I... I <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's an ingredient of, of a healthy marriage is good-hearted uh, torture um, <laughs> I, I cannot remember two things right I cannot remember names and I cannot remember dates right and so like even this morning I'm going to confess I'm, I'm standing up here and I'm going through the prayer list and I'm trying to remember Samantha's name and I know Samantha. It's not like it's the day I met her or anything. I know her. I've known her for a couple of years now. And I'm standing here thinking, if I say Mark's girlfriend in the prayer, will that look awkward? I, 
I, you know, I thought, well, I could distract and say Mark's fiance, and then, no, sorry, I didn't mean to do that to you. <laughs> then everybody will be thinking about that instead of Eric not remembering. Um, <laughs> throw them under the bus. Um, and, and actually, like, when I was a youth pastor, Jess would go with me, um, like, around events. We'd have, like, 150 kids in the building, and she would walk around with me, and she remembers names, right? And so, like, we would stand there, and people would come up, oh, hey, Eric, how's it going? And Jess would say, oh, hi, you know, Courtney, or... And then I would know their name, and she would tip me off. And, and like, so it was, it was, it's true. And, in fact, actually, years later, we were in a restaurant right before we left um, Indiana, and this gal was waiting our table, and Jess is like, oh, that's so-and-so. We knew her six years ago. She was a youth group kid. And, and you know, it, uh, like, I'm forever saved by the fact that my wife's, my wife's got this complimentary memory. Um, the other thing that she remembers is dates. Right, so like she'll remind me, oh hey, your grand, you know, your nephew's birthday is this week. You need to call, or, you know, hey, our anniversary's coming up. Do you remember what day it was? And then I cry a little bit, and she backs off. Um, <laughs> um, but but God has blessed me in the fact that like where I'm weak, like she's got these strengths. Right, we're, we're like Legos that way. We fit together really well. And and what Paul um, explores in this is. Um, there are places where we're weak, and oftentimes in the spots where we're weak, we're tempted to gripe about it, and we're tempted to focus on it, but ultimately, like, God's strength complements us. Um, and, and as we dive into it, I wanted to give that as, like, a precursor, um, that, like, where we're weak, we, we can find strength in Christ. We can find strength in God's provision. Um, Paul is writing this, like, as he's written about suffering before, and, and we talked about this in the prison epistles, like, Paul talks about suffering as it relates to Jesus, right? Like, everything for Paul is Jesus. So when he talks about, oh, I might die soon, all he's talking about is going to heaven. That's all he thinks about. When Paul talks about being tortured, he says, you know, hey, I get to experience what Jesus went through. Jesus was tortured, I'll be tortured. You know, let's do this thing. You know, and it's not that he's, like, singing songs and, wow, this is great or anything crazy like that, but he's saying, if it, if it is going to happen to me, I'm going to put it in context of my understanding of Jesus. Um... Paul is writing to a church that's in conflict. This is um, the second of probably three letters that are actually the, maybe the third of three. There's one letter that we don't have. Um, it's just a fact of life. Um, at this point in writing, Paul visited the church, right? The first letter was a- answering a bunch of questions they had. Paul visits the church several years later, and they basically run him out of ta- town on a rail and humiliate him, right? And so Paul, like, takes off with his tail between his legs, and he starts sending pastors back, like, like, to take care of the church. He sends Timothy, and it doesn't work out, right? Like, they don't listen to Timothy. And then he sends Titus with this letter. Titus was sort of an enforcer. Um, he was the guy that comes along and, like, like, you know, puts everybody in order. And, and so the last part of this, this letter, Paul is writing about these, these teachers who had sort of come into this church and led them off in, like, crazy directions. Um, and in particular, what they had taught, this is important, they had taught from a position of, look at how awesome I am, right? Like, like they, they, Paul calls them super apostles. Like, they, they presented this, hey, look, we're very spiritual, and that's why you should listen to us. Anybody ever met a person like that, by the way? I, I guarantee you it's not me, because <laughs> I will openly admit I am broken and fail all the time. But these teachers were out there, and they would say, um, 
well, we have lots of vision, so you should listen to us. Or we do really good work, and so you should listen to us. Or we're really, really well-educated, so you should listen to us. And Paul starts writing back, and he, he finally hits this point, and we're, I'm going to zip through part of this because I think it, it bears you know, going through, um, in chapter 11, where Paul starts to come at them from this perspective. He's like, look, if these guys are going to brag all the time, then I'm going to do it, right? But Paul is, like, brilliant. Um, anybody ever watch a Bruce Lee movie? I love Bruce Lee, right? Like, Bruce Lee is awesome. One of the things that Bruce Lee wrote about fighting is that the smartest thing you can do is to take your enemy's strength and use it against him, right? Like, so if your enemy takes a punch at you, like, you want to step out of the way and use it to, like, throw him or whatever. I mean, like, like Paul would take the, or Bruce Lee would take the enemy's attack and use it as their weakness. Um, this is what we find in Paul. This is how Paul, although Paul maybe came up with the idea before Bruce Lee, I'm just saying, um, <laughs> some of those movies are pretty old. Um, but, but this is what Paul does here. He starts out, he says, well, listen, if they're going to brag, well, actually, I'll read it. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool, but if you do, then receive me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since, you were, since many are boasting in the way that the world does, I will boast too. Um, so what he's saying is, he's like, look, you guys accept these guys who come in bragging? Well, I'm going to brag too. But you know what? Only a fool would talk this way. Right? So he starts out, he insults them, and he says, I'll stand in the fool spot. Right? By the way, fool in our culture doesn't really mean a whole lot. In that culture, it was one of the most offensive things you could refer to a person by. Like, it was actually, I mean, it, it's a very watered-down phrase, but it, it means that they're spiritually and, like, financially and in their family life are completely incompetent. Right? I would try to come up with the English equivalent, but I'd probably lose my job. Um, just be aware. He's not saying a nice thing. Um, since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. He insults them, right? He says, listen, you're so smart, you gladly put up with all of us people. So, in fact, you even put up with people who enslave you to expo- or exploit you and take advantage of you or pushes himself toward or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit I was too weak for that. He says, listen, these guys who've come along and sort of taken control of your church, they're pushing you around and insulting you. I'm too weak to do that. <laughs> like, Paul is, Paul is taking their pushiness and their assertiveness and, their, and he's using it against them, right? These are guys that, again, chased Paul out of town when he tried to preach there. He goes on, he says, um, what anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind for talking like this, but I am more so. I have worked, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death time and again. Um, so Paul says, listen, everything they brag about, I'm better at. I've done it better than them. And then he goes on and he begins to describe all the ways that he's been humiliated and tortured. Because what Paul does, like in what he's doing, think about the argument here. They're talking about how awesome they are. And Paul steps in and says, well, you know what? I've been arrested and beaten with whips five times. 
and I've been beaten with rods three times. And I've been, you know, imprisoned this number of times. And I was once on the open sea in a shipwreck, just like holding on to a board for three nights and days. Like, did they do that? Are these, by the way, really solid accomplishments, or are these points of weakness? They're kind of points of weakness, right? Like, Paul isn't talking about, well, then I took those guys out and I taught them what for, right? He's saying, I submitted to God and allowed these things to happen. He talks about being hungry. He talks about being naked. He talks about being cold. He talks about being homeless. He puts all of this stuff out there that's not complimentary. Like, you wouldn't put this on a resume, right? Anybody ever write a resume? You wouldn't put out there, like, been in jail. Um, it, it's not the sort of thing you brag about. <laughs> um, I, sorry. Um, <laughs> what Paul does is he starts out by bettering them where they're in, at their game, and then he turns around and he says, but you know what? I got weakness going for me. I've been in a position of, of submission to God. And he starts laying out how he's weakest. And actually, it ends with... Paul ends with a story where he's like in a city and the city guard comes out to arrest him and like the church wrap him in a blanket and tie a rope to it and like throw him over the wall and lower him down, right? Like, and, and we hear that story and it's like kind of exciting, but in reality in that culture, that would be kind of humiliating. Like Paul is saying, hey, one time I had to be lowered in a, in a basket or in a blanket or whatever to escape being arrested. It's, it's kind of a humiliating story. For this culture, this would not be the sort of thing you'd brag about, right? But it's also part of a wordplay, and we'll get there. Paul is arguing in a way that's brilliant. And I'm, I geek on that kind of stuff. I love arguing with people. Like, ask my wife. Like, I, <laughs> I love arguing with folks, and I love that Paul is so brilliant. And the way he argues this, he is, he is he's a master. Because he puts out there, he says, listen, these folks talk about how awesome they are, I'm better, but you know what? Here's my weakness. And he starts laying out his weaknesses and laying out his weaknesses and laying out his weaknesses. And then he shifts. We're going to get to... Can you bump it ahead? Um, my program's not working right. Um, all right. He says, uh, Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now, um, Paul says, Listen... I'm not getting anything out of it, but I'm going to keep doing it, and we're going to talk about visions, these spiritual experiences, right? Because this is what these other apostles were bragging about. Hey, we've had huge spiritual experiences, and God has done awesome stuff with us, like and showed us miracles and everything else. And Paul says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, but God knows, such a man was caught up into the third heaven. The third heaven is kind of a weird phrase, and it's like, well, what does that even mean? Um, it basically means like heaven, right? Like, you know, the sky above us is sort of the heavens, right? And then everything above that is a different heaven. The third heaven would be like the heaven that's God's house, right? <laughs> and so Paul says, listen, I, 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 I know this guy who went to like God's living room, was like there. He was in God's house. Now, in the Bible, like if you look at how the Bible lays it out, people who actually went to heaven, really like not a lot of them. There are only a handful, and these guys are considered to be sort of the greats of the Bible, like these spiritual greats. And Paul, Paul says, I know this guy who went there, who, who experienced this. Okay, can you bump me ahead? Um, oh, I might add a typo. Um, 
on behalf of such a man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast. By the way, what is he saying? Who did this really happen to? It happened to Paul, right? But Paul wouldn't brag about himself. He's like, oh, wait a minute. I wouldn't brag about me, but I know this guy. <laughs> See what's happening here? <laughs> um, Paul, Paul is very thinly veiling his own experience. Um, oh, let me see if it's working again. Nope. Um, ex- all right. I, on my own behalf, I will not boast, except in regards to my weaknesses. Paul starts letting it out here. He says, listen, what I'm going to brag about is what I'm not good at and what I'm, what, where I'm weak. That's what you're going to hear about from me. And he's actually done quite a bit of that already. And he says, for I, if I do wish to boast, it will not be foolish. For I will be speaking the truth, but I refrain from this so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears in me. Um, Paul says, listen, I can't brag about this because I want you to hear what I'm saying and believe it. Um, Not because I've had miracles associated with me, but because what I'm teaching is the truth. Right? Anybody ever watch... Be really careful in how I say this. Um, TV evangelists who, like claim to have experiences all sorts of miracles and crazy stuff and and like you listen to him and you think well maybe this might not be true you know there was a there was a preacher in the 80s who got on TV and said like God has told me that if I don't get a million dollars like in donations in the next few days I'm going to die and he got the million dollars in donations and it worked so well he tried it again about a month later and guess what didn't get the million dollars and guess what he didn't die it's a pretty good chance he didn't get like like any kind of anything. But if any fool can stand up and say, oh, well, here's what God showed me. And then not teach the scripture, but teach what visions they had. Like they can lead you any way they want, right? Um, Paul says, listen, I wouldn't brag about myself seeing God or standing in the throne room of God, right? I'll brag about someone else, but I don't want you to look at me and think, oh, this guy has it together because he's been to God's house. He says, I want you to listen to what I have to say and weigh it based on what I'm saying. Weigh it based on the truth. Um, so he goes on, he says, Because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh. Now, by the way, he's totally shown his cards because he's like, I, I, it wasn't me, this guy I know. <laughs> but because I've had so many great revelations and visions, like, so he's basically shown his card, right? He, this is me. I've been to heaven. Um, did I, I skipped a uh, I skipped a slide, didn't I? Yeah, I did. Um, into the body or out of the body? Because it was a joke in there. Three to four. I'm sorry. I'm gonna jump back here. I. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, God knows, oh, I didn't, I just skipped the last half of it, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. Now, check this out. He's saying he had a vision, right? But what does he say about the vision? He heard stuff. Is that weird? Now, check this out. There's a theory that Paul probably had malaria. Right? Because everybody in the world back then had malaria, honestly. (laughs) It was like saying, hey, I have a pimple, right? Like, no, everybody's got them. Um, Paul probably had malaria. As malaria progresses, it results in blindness. Um, There's all sorts of indications. Like, there's a letter he wrote to the church in Galatia where he talks about being sick when he was there, right? Like, he was deathly ill. And, And that illness, you know, he talks about, I know you guys would have given me your eyes if you could have, Right? 
Like, Paul was maybe going blind. And we know, like, in his later letters, he had a guy who, who wrote for him and he dictated, right? And so, like, when Paul says, hey, I know this guy who went to heaven and he heard inexpressible things. What's he saying? Like, he's making fun of himself because he can't see. Like, <laughs> like, he's even bragging and he's playing up his own, like, I, I'm not even, I'm, I'm blind, guys. Like, <laughs> he, he's not even willing to, like, put himself out there as having experienced a vision. Like, he, he's, he's totally mocking his opponents, right? And he's taking their strength and turning it into weakness. Because, oh, he heard inexpressible things. He couldn't even say what they were. Because, you know, God would squish him if he did. Um, sorry, I'm going to jump back to where we were. Um, because of the, these great revelations, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan tormenting me to keep me from exalting myself. Now, we're kind of hitting the, hitting the, the nub of this, and this is important to check out. Um, Paul's experienced such awesome stuff that he's given a thorn in the flesh. This is a terrible translation, right? Um, it's translated this way usually because thorns are kind of barbed, you know what I mean? And they kind of hook and they don't let go. Um, in this case, um, it should be a stake. Like, like it, basically the phrase, the Greek phrase here means impaled. He says, listen, to keep me from becoming, like, arrogant, I've been impaled. Like, I've literally been stuck through and, like, with this barbed hook thing that won't come out. And he says, God sent this to me so that I wouldn't become arrogant. Um, but the phrasing's weird, right? God sent it, but it's a messenger of Satan. Now, here's the way this plays out, and, and follow me on this, right? Um, it is sometimes the case that God allows bad stuff to happen to us. Everybody's with me? It's sometimes the case that that happens. Um, does that mean that God reaches down and, and steps on us? Well, no. I'm going to argue that sometimes God backs up and lets the world do what it does. Let's, let's the devil do what he does. Let's us do, do what we do, right? Anybody ever done something really stupid and screwed up your life? <laughs> You're like, oh, why did God let this happen to me? No, you did it. Right? <laughs> like, sometimes God backs up and lets us do stupid stuff. Sometimes he backs up and lets, and why? Well, in this case, it's for Paul, Paul's benefit, right? We're going to get into that a little later. I, I don't read into that more than I'm saying. I'm not saying every time bad things happen to you, it's because God wants you to suffer. Not at all, okay? And we'll actually talk about that next week. Um, what I'm saying is, in this case, Paul benefited from suffering. The difficulty he experienced was good for him. Um, and so God allows this messenger of Satan to come and, like, like make him miserable. I'm going to argue blindness, but it really could have been anything, right? It could have been that Paul had epilepsy. There are people who believe that. There are people who argue that Paul had some temptation he struggled with constantly, right? Like, like he was tempted, you know, in his thoughts or his deeds or what have you, and, like, just constantly. Or it could have been a teacher out there who was screwing with him, and he had to deal with this guy, and this guy is, like, a thorn in my side. It could have been that... that um, I read a great essay arguing that Paul had a wife. <laughs> and then he compared his wife to being impaled. I know my wife's not that way. <laughs> I love you, honey. Uh, I, I'm just saying what I know. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to be impaled later, I think. Um, 
but Paul says, listen, this thing came on me and it crushed me and it's made me miserable. And, and it's happened so that I wouldn't become arrogant in what I've experienced. God has done so much through me that he allows this to happen so that I don't become prideful. Um, concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might be passed for me. Now, check this out. This looks like a Passover verse or a, like a skip it. You know, hey, Paul begs God three times. He goes and says, God, please make this stop. Please make this stop. Please make this stop, right? Not that he necessarily did it in one afternoon. It may have been months. He doesn't tell us. Why? Because I don't think he wanted us to know. Like, there's a vagueness to this that becomes very useful. Anybody have a, have a, a health issue or a mental issue or, a, or a, a sin issue that, like, just torments you for years? Like, that hangs on you and you just can't seem to get over it? And like, no matter how, I mean, you work at it and 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 it's just there. Like, and Paul is in that spot and he's saying, God, just take this away. Well, check this out. Three times we see another instance of this, right? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is about to be arrested. He knows he's about to be tortured cruelly. He's going to be hung on a cross. He's going to die, like, in the most painful way possible over the course of the next, like, two days. And he's, he's there and he prays and he begs God three times. God, please let this cup go away. I don't want to drink it. Please let this not happen. If there's any other way for me to do this, let it be that way. And so Paul is deliberately pointing to Jesus. He's saying three times I beg God, just the same way Jesus did, because Jesus bore the cross. He bore suffering. Um, and I'm doing the same thing here. And God's response, now follow this, this is huge. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfect, perfected in weakness. Pause there. Um, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. There's two, this is kind of two-pronged. First off, I don't remember names, and, and I'm in better shape because my wife can prop me up, right? Um, in a way, what Paul is talking about is where I can't do it, God can. And so when I fail, God props me up and carries me through it. Um, anybody ever gone through like a severe, miserable part of your life and like you look back and you think, I have no idea how I managed that except that God probably just dragged me through it, <laughs> right? Picked me up and threw me over his shoulder and like, all right, let's go, you know, kind of thing. I mean, like this is a part of it. Like it, it's undeniably a part of it. Where we're weak, we're most dependent on him. When I hit a spot that I can't do something, I have to look to him, right? Because I need him the most. Um, Abby frequently wants to do things that are well beyond her size because she thinks big, right? And, and what does she do when she, that happens? Well, she starts yelling for daddy to help her, right? Because she knows she needs my help. And when I help her, guess what? She can do almost anything because I can do almost anything, right? <laughs> From the perspective of a three-year-old. Um, <laughs> and only then, in a year, she'll figure out it's total bunk. Um, the other end of this is Jesus, right? Now, Jesus, when he did his greatest work, his greatest work was not done destroying enemies, right? It was not done on a battlefield. It was not done, you know, like, like, like with his muscles or with his might. It was done in his weakness. Jesus was arrested. He was, stood silent in trial. And then because you and I can't solve our sin problem, he was tortured to death for me and you. In his weakness, God perfected our salvation, right? And so when God says to Paul, my power is perfected in weakness, what he means is, like, I accomplish things through weakness. 
In Christ, I accomplish something amazing through weakness. You're saved through that same thing. And so Paul turns around and says, you know what, if I'm going to brag about anything, actually, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, if I'm going to brag about anything, I'll brag about where I fail. Because where I suffer and where I fail, I'm most like Jesus. And when I'm most like Jesus, I can do anything. Because I'm awesome? No. Because God's awesome. And because when I draw myself into Christ, God, like, like he's perfected in that. Um, if you go around the world right now, the parts of the church that are most severely persecuted, and by the way, it's something you don't hear a lot about, the church around the world is experiencing more persecution right now than any time in history, um, ever. Um, if you go into China, where people disappear frequently because they're Christians, the church is growing hand over fist. Um, you go back in history, actually, when Christians were used to, uh, what was it, Caligula would set Christians, or Nero would set Christians on fire to light his banquets at night. <laughs> Yikes. Um, Christianity grew faster then than it ever, like, than any other time. Why? Because when we're in a position of weakness, Christ stands forward and does great things. Um, perfection happens when God operates through our weakness. And so when we stand in a place where we're weak, as Paul says, therefore I am well contented with weakness, with insults, with distress, with persecution, with difficulties, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When you are weak, when you are like Christ in the respect that you're submitted to God and you're not trying to lift the world with your own strength, when you're acting like Jesus, you're most powerful. Um, Why? Because of you? No. Because of Him. Um, I'm going to call our ushers forward or my, my uh, guys for communion forward. We have those, right? Really? Whose job is that? <laughs> I need four volunteers. <laughs> and one to run communion downstairs. Mark, if you want to grab it and take it downstairs, one. As a reminder of his work is a reminder of his weakness, of literally the brokenness that Jesus experienced on our behalf. Um, On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take this and eat. This is my body broken for you. Um, The body of Christ was literally broken for our forgiveness. It was broken like in weakness and in shame that we could be saved. And if you're a guest with us today, we, if you believe in Jesus, if you're a person of faith in Christ, um, we welcome you to take communion with us uh, when you receive it and when you feel prepared. Um, let's, let's worship God through, through the ordinance of communion.